Welcome to the Motoring Podcast, your weekly discussion of motoring news. This is episode 354 on Tuesday, the 22nd of September 2020. Hello, I'm Alan. Hello, I'm Andrew. And in a week where some are very good at grabbing a headline until you read the detail, we'll be discussing how particles are the next battleground for cleaner air. We talk turkey about tyres. And we look at which cars help us take part in World Car Free Day. But first, we have a smidgen of follow-up. And this is the news that the driver that was in charge of Uber's Volvo that was involved in the death of Elaine Hertzberg back in 2018 in Arizona has now been charged with negligent homicide. Now, if we remember, this this lady was supposed to be monitoring the vehicle and the road ahead and able to leap in and take over at a fraction of a moment's notice to make sure nothing bad happened. But it was very quickly revealed at the time of the accident that the uh, safety driver, Rafael Rafael, uh, Vasquez, had been streaming the voice at the time, which they now seem to believe was a significant part of why the accident happened. She has pleaded not guilty and has been released to await trial. And we also need to remember that that same sheriff office has declined to charge Uber over this accident Mm -hmm. at all but i was looking into this and trying to find out whether the ntsb were still investigating or had reached their conclusion because i know they've said that it was mostly human error but whether they were now looking back through code and stuff because information released at the time also declared that uber had dialed back volvo's emergency braking sensitivity as well as their own software's uh, detection system for what was a thing to be worried about or not. But nothing's happened to Uber on this. We'll have to wait and see what happens here. I mean, to Mm -hmm. to not claim any responsibility, to not be... Sorry, to sit there and say that they didn't have anything to do with it is quite a bold statement, I feel. But also for Uber not to be involved in this at all is I'm really very curious as to why not. Yeah, I'm kind of vexed by that one. That one really does does puzzle me why they're saying, well, no, actually, it's it's completely not them. Yes, let's let's see. Yeah, just keep an eye on that. It seems to be moving, but moving slowly. Yeah. New news this week, though. Mm-hmm. This is a story about uh, tire particles, uh, and we've mentioned this quite a few times in the past. Uh, this seems to be the next a uh, focus for emissions, because people are, are turning to this and notice the the microplastics, uh, tire erosion issues that come from having bigger vehicles, heavier vehicles, uh, and fewer other pollutants as well. So, a system which uses the Marius effect from a team of students called the tire collective has won the james dyson award for its device which collects the i almost used the term nanoparticles now i want to go give myself a slapping the small particles (laughs) of rubber that wear off the tire and it collects those particles before they can sort of fly freely and be released into the air uh, in a little in a little boxy thing that needs that needs emptied it's sort of an electrostatic attractant to to little bits of rubber yep and that seems it seems quite quite clever to to gather them to gather them so early and and uh, no I, I 
I think it's an incredibly clever way of looking at the problem. I mean, obviously, it's it's like a proof of concept at this moment in time. Mm. And when you look at the pictures and how it's depicted on a actual road going vehicle, you can see flaws in the current uh, situation of thinking but you could see how easily that could be incorporated within the vehicle itself yeah this is very early. in a more realistic real world usage uh, and they claim up to 60 percent of the uh the, the micro rubber or microplastic whatever it's going to be called but the particles mm. can be captured in this way which is which can only be a good thing uh, and uh, on the back of that you know, as alan said we have discussed this quite a few times because We'd noticed that, that things were moving along the lines uh, down towards this and brake dust, but uh, Alex Grant has updated one of his articles regarding all this. I've included in the show notes links to that article because it does include the award and the the device, which we've also got the autocar article for as well, but also the emission analytics, which seem to be one of the more reliable sources of information when it comes to talking about emissions of all kinds and they are able to pass on that information in a way that is easily digestible to us muggles and not people Mm -hmm. who are used to staring at spreadsheets all day (laughs) things like that well even this article it comes from tire technology international which i i don't imagine you can you can pick up on your local wh smiths um so yeah do follow the link because it's it's really interesting really in depth there'll be a link to the autocar article as well which kind of skims quickly over it but if if you want to know more if you think oh i I actually want to know more about where this has come from what the issues are uh, because there's even a little there is a little extra window bit all about this um which goes into a say more more I was going to say more granular detail <laughs> um, about about it. Then, uh, then that's the place to that's the place to look. Yep, absolutely. I am going to move us on to uh, what I think is the shock news of the week, and that is that uh, Volkswagen Group is looking to sell Bugatti, and Rimac are the company that seems to be the ones likely to do it. I just didn't see this coming. I have to say. Now, I didn't see this coming either, but then I saw somebody, and I cannot remember who it was, and I'm so sorry, it was somebody who tends to know these things on Twitter, saying it makes sense when you think about it, uh, because uh, Porsche and Volkswagen Group want a bigger share in Rimac. Rimac doesn't necessarily... Something about not having the money. I might have just got this the wrong way around, by the way. And so this could be part of a. It's part of a deal to get more technology. Yeah, it's like we're not really sure we want. You know, we're we're in a position to keep to have Bugatti. If we give you Bugatti, so that if you're developing supercars, you can have the Bugatti brand on them, uh, as opposed to the Rimac brand, and keep Rimac for all the technology stuff. Then, um, then we'll get far more of your. You see, Porsche is expected to boost its. If I keep going down the story, is expected to boost its current fifteen point five percent shareholding to as much as forty nine percent. This will be part of the purchase of that shareholding. Ah, uh, so it's partly a technology grab. Yeah, sorry, I just made a right mess of trying to explain that. No, 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 I, I, got, I got what you were words. saying. It, it did make sense what you were saying, but I hadn't read through this, so I didn't realise that it was actually 
all instigated by Volkswagen, really. Hmm. And Rimac just happened to be the useful tool to do it because they've got some cracking technology. Well, yeah, which they're already using. Yeah. Because uh, cause my concern, when I obviously when I heard the headlines was, crikey, is the VW Group in that much financial trouble that they need to sell Bugatti? But it's not looking like that's the issue. No. No, it's it's not. I think they, they are choosing to as part of this. Yeah. They're, they're just being clever. Related to that, I was behind a Taycan 4S last night. Mm-hmm. Nice looking thing on the road. It's the first one I've seen in real life. I saw one about a month ago, and I thought, that's quite nice. And I recognize that's a Porsche, even though it's yeah. it's not a 911 or a Cayman. Mm. It's still got the, I don't want to say DNA, because yeah. that's just ridiculous. But it's it's definitely got the, the, the cues of a Porsche in it. Yeah. It looks apart. I spotted it from a mile away and thought, ooh, is that a new Panamera or is that a Taycan? And then, of course, got a little bit closer. It's obviously a Taycan. Mm. Next up, though, and this is one for everyone, which which everyone should really take part in. Uh, North Ants Police tweeted out saying that they are they are taking part in there is a national survey asking what people across the country think about roads policing and enforcement there's a link to go to a survey site it is national it closes at 5 p.m on the 30th of september so you so at the moment of recording you've got a week uh, or so to to fill it in uh, there will be a link in the show note in the show notes uh, and I'll probably tweet it out during the week as well. But there is a form to fill in to to take part in that. If you don't particularly like the way roads are being policed, you think there should be more, they shouldn't, they should be less. You think the focus should be different. This is your chance to say, everyone. So if you don't complete it, if you don't fill it in, then you have missed your chance. You're not allowed to moan. Exactly. <laughs> if you, them's the rules. We're exactly where I'm going. <laughs> So do please take uh, a few moments of your time just to fill out that form and to share your views uh, on roads policing. Uh, and that's across the country. It's probably Englandshire, but yeah. you know, if you've got Scotlandshire stuff, then then or Wales, then pop that in as well. But uh, but I think it it it's exactly the same as when we put out the request for the survey. Hmm. They don't know what people actually think because invariably people only tell them the very best or the very worst. So and, unless they, unless you answer, unless we all answer, they're not going to know. So this is, this is the only way we can help them to, to be doing the job that we feel they should be doing. Yep. And if, if, they don't, if they can't do that, then they can explain why, and they'll know what people are expecting. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Moving on. Plug-in hybrids, Andrew. Okay. Are they polluting monsters? Right. I will come off my long run up here. Oh. I'll take this one if you want. No, no. I don't. I have no problems taking this one. Our old friends, Transport and Environment, have joined up which with... Which is mostly about environment, which doesn't contain any transport. Yes, have joined up with Greenpeace this time to release a report in the very loosest sense of the word... In time for the government to make its decision on whether they are going to bring forward the banning of uh, selling new petrol, diesel, or hybrid, and possibly hybrid vehicles from 2030 to 2035, sorry, to 2030. Now, this 
as I say, report in inverted commas from Transport, Environment and Greenpeace makes a lot of shouting and hollering about how dreadfully bad a FEV is. So that's a plug-in hybrid. And they they are claiming that they are that they are dreadful compared to the official lab tests, that the way people drive them makes them worse, they don't charge them, blah blah ah, blah. Ah, blah. but they don't put any of that in the first bit. They don't. The summary in the front, it does not say that. It just says that FEVs driven on the road by owners show emissions that are on average over two and a half times those of official test values. It doesn't go into many other bits. To find out all those details, you have to read through the five or six other pages and read the footnotes on each page. So when they talk about the official lab tests, they are talking about the NEDC lab test which is not mm-hmm. relevant to today because we are on WLTP, as everyone knows. And as everyone knows who listens to our podcast or who is remotely interested in cars, the NEDC was acknowledged by everyone involved was not fit for purpose. But what they've then done is they've then applied a multiplier. Yep. So they've taken that and then they've gone, yeah, but it's actually 2.65 times that. So it doesn't matter what vehicle you have. They're just applying when it was straight tested. on 2. <laughs> or when it was tested. They're applying a straight 2.65 to FEVs. They're multiplying a non-plug-in hybrid by 1.48 when you would expect that to at the very least be the other way around. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then they're just multiplying petrol and diesel by 1.39 because because they feel like it. So that's what they're putting in as their real world uplifts, which, and it doesn't really explain how they've come to those those numbers. No, either there is some data has come from Ricardo. If you read to the second, the almost the end, yeah, and and they they talk a lot about how dreadful a vehicle is when they're actually talking about how someone is not able to use it properly or does not use it properly as it was intended. And then they, the one that I really enjoyed was talking Is about it the electricity generation. No, I was talking about Ooh. the one you can you can talk about that one, but the one Fev, the Kia Nero, which an owner has informed T and E that despite selected da 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 that. Oh, we're now going to throw hearsay into what we're claiming as facts and figures when you're facts and figures. But we know this. How many times but- have we had to discuss a transport and environment report and go, but your data's flawed. You have hmm. you have done a brilliant job of grabbing a headline, but you are actually misleading in that headline and you are spinning what it is, but you come across as though you are a, an upstanding organization. And it really annoys me. And this got picked up by the, this got, uh, I mean, there's, there's two links in the show notes. One is the BBC News article, which on the day this came out was the most read article on the BBC News website by a country yeah. mile. And it is factually incorrect in several spots, thanks to this report, because the person hmm. who wrote up the article didn't include information from the footnotes read the first page no so the one for me is we've talked about it how it's nedc how it tend how they don't you know how it, it it's historic for anything with an engine in it but then when it comes to battery electric car vehicles now we are huge fans of evs and alternative fuels and all these forms but when it comes to that they say grid intensity for it for 
electricity based upon the projected average UK electricity over the next 18 years as carbon emissions decrease. So they've taken worst case for four-fifths their data set and a projected best case for the last fifth. Yeah. So it is... And they're saying that, you know, CO2 emissions per year is 0.7 tonnes for a, for a battery electric vehicle. It's and, and so overall lifetime CO2 emissions is 3.8 tonnes, whereas everything else is 33, 28, 40, 41, you know. Yeah. It's just different different measures for different things depending on what suits them it is really it's 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 a word that would that that you'd have to put a siren over if i actually used there, it. there's a couple of things that i find particularly disappointing with this one the way it got uh, really have, have we left any the, the, i thought we'd covered them all the, well uh, you know i mean we have we've gone into detail but one is the way that it got picked up by so many people and again hardly anybody's read through and gone hang on that's not exactly what you're saying, is it? Careful, because we got caught out by I know, that I know, and we, we've we been guilty of it, absolutely. Uh, and right after we pointed out for other people. <laughs> so, you know, pie and humble was eaten in large quantities. But what also disappoints me with this is by by doing this in what can quickly and easily be pointed out as, uh, should we say, inconsistent data, that they are choosing to use. I'm try, trying to be polite here. I don't know why, but I'm trying to be polite. Uh, by by this being inconsistent data, it undermines the argument in the first place, which is that a FEV is not as clean as a full electric vehicle, which we know. But if the conversation was constructed in such a way that it, it was not so combative then we could discuss this uh, we could discuss it in a way that meant that we look at the use of a fev and when is it appropriate anyway moving on to something good ish which might be back next year but in a very different format and that's the geneva motor show we weren't really expecting a geneva motor show for 2020 uh for 20 Pardon me. Oh, that's terrible. We weren't really expecting a Geneva Motor Show for 2021 after it got cancelled at last minute for the same reason as just about every ready thing has been cancelled in 2020. The plan is to make it a three-day-long event, which will work rather differently, and will be very, which will be limited only to members of the media and a very limited number of media as well. This is being offered up. Nobody knows if anybody has taken the organizers up on it yet. The idea is you can start with a one car stand and an LED wall for £127,730-ish. Wow. Uh, and that includes uh, that includes access for up to 10 Mijar guests. Or there is the, the top spec, which is up to four cars and 100 Mijar guests at the, the more expensive end of of the range uh, oh that by the way comes in at a mere 638,630 pounds ish 750,000 uh, swiss francs 
So, as I say, nobody's confirmed as going yet. Nobody really knows this is going to happen. It seems to be an advanced idea, which is being muted. Why Why are they not just trying to do a giant Zoom call or live stream of it? Oh, that'll be available as well. Rather than, rather than have anyone there at all, and then it saves you all the worry about the whole site and keeping people apart and that and that being potentially thrown into the air if nearer the time there is a spike across europe but 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 how on earth are the geneva hoteliers going to make their millions this year I really don't care. Let me see. No, well, I don't. I, I <laughs> and think, I think I think none from the media. I do. <laughs> I I think Geneva hoteliers have been cashing in so richly and blatantly for so many years that nobody really cares about them very much anymore. They have burnt the sympathy for those poor. That poor industry is limited in that location. I'm the only person. I think I once paid a little bit towards my hotel rooms one year. But to be honest, I still be doing with the points this year. <laughs> anyway, tell us about uh, new stuff. Well, new ideas coming out from the Financial Conduct Authority about car insurance. Well, yes, it's uh, it's often talked about how people who try to stick with a, an insurer end up going, oh, hang on, why are you charging me a lot more? If I was a new customer you'd charge me less which the fca financial conduct of conduct authority has looked into but it seems to be a penalty that for your loyalty you are penalized rather than rewarded mm-hmm. and so they've, they've decided they're going to look into this and they've concluded and i'm quoting it's not working well for consumers <laughs> but we see we see this quite regularly every quarter or so there's a there's an article that turns up and says people are paying x amount too much or the country is paying x amount of millions too much because they don't search for a cheaper car insurance and for a lot of people it's a lot of hassle there's plenty of people who don't want to use the comparison sites for a variety of reasons there's plenty of people who don't have the time or inclination to uh, phone up phone around personally to go come on i need a cheaper insurance please give me a a better quote Uh, let alone phone up their own insurer and go are you kidding (laughs) you've stuck 150 quid on and i've done nothing (laughs) that that's my normal tactic of why this big jump Mm. can we have another little look at it please oh yes of course mr bradley so so the watchdogs seen this and gone that's that really is unfair so they've decided that significant reform is needed Part of that is that they want to make some changes so that, uh, I mean, talking of the prices, uh, that was a 1.2 billion on car insurance during 2018 alone. Mm-hmm. That's quite a chunk of change. Mm-hmm. So they're going to be looking into this and hopefully, because I mean, they've done it with other things recently, other uh, like with, with the dealers, and they're no longer allowed to get uh, a percentage of the commission they get. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's that's going to make a big saving and stuff like that. So uh, I think it's a great idea that they've they've got round to looking at it, and hopefully it, it you know it benefits all of us in the long run. I mean, what in reality will happen is everybody's price will go up, and we'll all get stiff for it because you know how many insurers ever lose. Yeah, exactly, and that's the joy of insurance, really, isn't it? Yeah, thou shalt never. <laughs> uh, after many weeks. 
it is back and i still haven't written new words so yes it's time for guilt minute at the point in the show where we remind you to think about and consider what the motoring podcast is worth for you if you feel it's worth a small amount of your hard-earned cash then please head to motoringpodcast.com and click on the orange become a patron button right there on the front page if you're already a patron then uh, you know that we love you and think you're awesome so thank you so very very much uh, we understand that not everyone has the ability to do this so please don't forget to like rate and leave feedback via the podcast player of your choice if for some reason you don't actually subscribe to the show how's about doing so for free it costs you nothing to subscribe to our podcast uh, making sure we come to you without the anxiety and worry that you may miss out on the next new show if you've done all of that then you really are wonderful but how's about accosting a friend who you think would enjoy this and telling them all about us it's even better if you steal the wrestle their their phone from their clammy hands hopefully not clammy in the current <laughs> oh that's true yes yes oh no in a socially distanced manner advise them that they should subscribe as well that's what i meant to say <laughs> absolutely what i meant to say yes here endeth guilt minute i'm sorry that waffled on quite a bit tonight i was just so excited to have it back again i know i know I will try and have written new new words by next week. Okay. But meanwhile, Formula E. Formula E claims it has now reached a net zero carbon footprint. Well, congratulations. Yeah. Because that's quite impressive. That's really. a heck of a cheap. I mean, I know that it's an electric powered series, but that has always been the aim, or one of the aims, is mm. is to reach this. And they've done it within, was it six years? Yes. Six years they've managed yes. to, to do that. And considering they are transporting everything across the world as well. That means it has been net zero over those whole six years. They have now put away enough extra bonus carbon as the, as the series has built up to be able to, to neutralize the past as well. Mm. It's impressive. And it, it's been a thing right from the start. Uh, that and plastics usage and all sorts of things so you know everything was either reusable or could be recycled or could be composted or any of these things right the way from you know any disposable coffee cups from the very very start it's been built in this isn't something that's just been tacked on at the end this was as you said part of the aim right from the very start it, it's been built into everything they've done you know, even even stuff like the paper plates and all these kind of things, they couldn't be the wax-covered ones. They had to be the recyclable ones. They had to be the compostable ones. Mm. Yeah, no, it's, um, it's very impressive. The, the level of one. thought that's gone into it throughout the entire thing is incredibly mm. impressive. Uh, there'll be a, a, a link, obviously, in the show notes to the race.com article. And I have to say, the photographs, which I presume are from Spacesuit Media, are absolutely yeah, are. stunning for this article. They have been superbly chosen. Mm -hmm. It's incredibly impressive. So, I mean, well done, Formula E, and I, I'm actually itching to watch it back on the track again, if they can. Yes. I don't know. This, if, well, they, fingers yes. crossed and all that. Well, it, well, yeah, worst case, it'll be somewhat... It'll be three or four locations and, and stuff, but I'm, I'm sure they'll they'll suss it out. Yep. Yeah, right. Anyway, WRC. Yes, let's talk turkey, as they say. 
Uh, and WRC was in Turkey last weekend. You, know, you don't shake your head. You love it when I took him out with dad jokes. Uh, WRC was in Turkey. And surprisingly, when you followed the race or the event, Evans won it. Uh, this was, as ever with Turkey, attrition is the watchword. <laughs> with, mm-hmm. uh, I saw some photographs from people who'd taken part last year. And you looked at the stages, you looked at the, they weren't, they aren't roads they were on, but the tracks they were on. Tracks. And you're thinking, how does any bit of rubber actually survive that? So for the fact that most of the time there weren't punctures, except for one special stage on Sunday, which seemed to annihilate nearly everybody except for Evans, it is testament to how good the tyre technology is. Mm-hmm. But surprisingly, Ogier had problems mechanically with the vehicle where he was struggling to change gears and then his engine just gave out and actually caught a little bit on fire, uh, which I'm, oh, right. I'm no mechanicist, but I believe that's not a good thing for an engine. Flames? No. I've been told. No, it's suboptimal. Yeah. Nouveau looked like he was then going to sweep through and win, but then he got a puncture. So Evans, who was uh, quite a significant way behind the top three, managed to end up with a forty, nearly 47-second lead by the end of that one stage on Sunday morning. Hmm. Uh, Ot Tanek had a, uh, a weekend to forget. He describes it as something else that I cannot repeat without the <laughs> siren being deployed. <laughs> um, uh, and, you know, I'm really delighted for Evans that mm-hmm. for a change, the bad luck happened to everybody else and not him. Yeah. Uh, and and he said himself, look, it's not, it doesn't feel that special right now because I want it because by being really conservative and careful as opposed to, you know, absolutely <laughs> keeping the right absolutely foot Absolutely hammering it, yeah. <laughs> uh, so that's it. But that goes to show why I, I think why WRC is so fascinating is that you've got to deploy different tactics on different uh, events. Hmm. Uh, absolutely. And different parts of different events as well. Yeah. Of the, uh, even different parts of the same event, pardon me. Yeah. That's what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Big shout out to Loeb, though, because the, the word on the street is that's his last WRC Oh, right. Oh, he came in fifth. But he, he, yeah, third. Oh, pardon me, you're fifth in the power station. Yeah, he, he was third overall, and it goes to show that he's still got the pace because if he'd, if the luck had gone his way a bit, he'd have won that. Mm-hmm. Um, but, he, you know, he just wasn't that. And he's delighted that he's gone to, he's shown everybody he is still actually really very quite rapid. <laughs> it's awesome to go out on a, to go out on a high. Yeah. Yeah, it really is. In yeah. the show notes again, there will be uh, thanks to Dirtfish, there will be their uh, roundup, uh, what we learned article, which is mm-hmm. great to read. Uh, but there's also an extra bit of news that came out today, and that is that uh, Toyota has um, bought the company that Mackinnon created to start up the whole Toyota WRC uh, rebirth mm-hmm. uh, and get them into it. So. He will be moved into an advisor role at Toyota from January next year. But he said yeah. the, the whole the whole idea of this project was for Toyota to buy it up once they realized that mm-hmm. it was viable. And it's going to be run by the Gazoo Racing Company that's Cologne-based. Uh, but they'll still yeah. develop the rally cars in Tallinn. 
uh, and do all that sort of stuff. So congratulations to Mackinnon for doing such a superb job that Toyota went, yep, we're having that. Thank you. Yeah, they were always going to, though. I'm sure that was part of the deal. All right. And, of course, good weekend at, for all the Gazoo Racing teams, really. There was the rally at WRC. Uh, there was Le Mans as uh, well, yes. where they were the outright winners of Le Mans this year. I thought that was Aston Martin. Don't go there. <laughs> I saw somebody tweet about that advert and just Have chuckled. you only just seen it? You should have seen it when it was earlier in yeah, some of the tweets are close to the weekend. But it was on this case of this is where I, I think the only way to deal with it is to go, oh, bless. But to be fair to Aston Martin, they did a cracking job awesome. in the GTs. It was, yes, in, in the, the GTs. GTs. They absolutely stormed the GTs. They absolutely yes. stormed the GTs, not the LMPs. No. Uh, so, yes. So, uh, well done to us and also well done for the, to the outright winners uh, at Toyota Kazoo. And last was, because I've got thoroughly distracted by eight different things, uh, last was Tom Ingram in the BTCC as well. Yes. Uh, yeah, he was he was on fire. He was he really literally was, yeah. kicking, because that was a mini bottom. actually. But yeah. he was he was really fast. Him and Kamish had some cracking duels. Was, I didn't get a chance to see that. I was busy trying to follow lots of other things. Yeah. But yeah, I, and I won a traffic light Grand Prix as well. So uh, total win <laughs> for completeness there. <laughs> uh, shall we talk more about uh, Toyota powered race cars? Yeah, we should. Yes, Lunchtime Watch, if you haven't already seen it, and goodness me, 243,545 people have already seen it, then the chaps at Bad Obsession Motorsport, Rich and Nick, or Nick and Rich, whichever way around you want it to be, they have started a new series, which they're finding amazing to do because they've actually finished everything before releasing the episode. <laughs> It'll never catch on. I know. Is it is it every week or every fortnight? I've now forgotten. Every week. It's he, every he week. He finished the one with saying next week, and he said, yes, I know I said next week. <laughs> Which is uh, about bargain racement. So it's all about buying and setting up a car for the City Car Cup, uh, which is open to the... Citroen C1, Toyota Igo, and Peugeot 107. Yep. It's really good. I've, I've, I sort of watched it since it came out for, for their non-patrons. And yeah, it's good stuff. It is. Good stuff. It's the usual the usual humour and everything, but I like the fact that they, they've they got a... There's a distinct aim, and it, it seems quite focused, as opposed to, with, you know, like with Project Binky, we're going to make this fabulous thing. This is very narrow focus. This was the aim right from the beginning, because I I may have been asked my opinion as to whether it was a good a good idea or not. I'm presuming you said yes. Duh. What <laughs> <laughs> do you take me for? Yeah, of course. That's a great idea. Do you actually tell Richard after, say, well, I wouldn't have done that like that, you know, mate? No, because I'm not brave enough. <laughs> you mean he may get back in the car and tell you how to go faster next, another time? You can tell me how to go faster in the car any time as long as I've checked the oil first. Okay. Okay. Right, I'm going to take us to the list of the week. And it is the World Car Free Day for 2020. And Motion Research have helped us to embrace this fully by giving us a list of some of the worst cars in recent memory. According to yes. their article, I need to hasten to add here. I see that nobody. this has nobody's specifics byline against it. Nobody <laughs> is taking responsibility for this one. Nice nice one, people. Yes. 
it's okay. They know where all calls will go at that point. Mm. <laughs> Richard switches <laughs> his mobile off. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay, Alan, in this in this list, is there one that particularly makes you want to not get in it? Can, can I quickly point out that there's one that I would definitely get in, possibly because I already have had it as a press car, and that is the Jeep Wrangler. I think that's really quite unfair. Yes, I did get in touch with Richard and say that uh, I felt it was... In, well, I intimated that I felt it was incorrect in can this. I, can I... Okay, so from this list, given that the Chevrolet Orlando is not included in it, I the second worst taxi I have ever been in which is a Fiat 500L MPW. That's the really ugly one. Not just the ugly one, but the really ugly one. The worst, I mean, I was in the back of one that was a taxi in Rome, so that was terrifying enough in the first place. And I could feel the metal frame of the seat, the back seat, through my slightly padded bottom and it was just uncomfortable. It was just falling to bits. It was ruddy awful. Sorry. But no, no, I'm not sorry. It was ruddy awful. So definitely that's that's the one that I would, would, would choose. Yeah. What about uh, you? Do, Go on. Do please click through the link to this list and then read uh read what motoring research have written about that car. <laughs> Because it is absolutely stunning what they talk about, how they how they talk about it. Uh, but the car for me, uh, which and it's the stiff competition, but is the Vauxhall Mocha. Having driven several, thanks to losing in higher car bingo, I'm staggered at such a modern car could be so dreadful across virtually everything you ask it to do. Previous to driving one of these on the autobahn, the scariest vehicle I had driven on the autobahn was a smart roadster coupe with its amazing randomizer, sorry, gearbox. And and that was pretty terrifying because you never knew if it was actually going to change down and let you accelerate uh, out from behind the truck that you were tucked underneath. Ooh. And then along came the mocha where I just felt I was going to fall over at every yep. moment. It's a wonder they're keeping that name on for the next generation. I think that that's how to hobble a car very quickly. Yes, they, they've missed a trick there. It's not too late, mm -hmm. Vauxhall Opal. You, no, you, you can, can still change it. it. You can save it. <laughs> Even called the tracks, the Chev Chevrolet tracks was still a better name. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, uh, and finally, Andrew. Go on then, Alan. Tell us about the and finally. <laughs> and finally is an old car is making a comeback. Hooray! And it's not a billion-pound recreation. Continuation. Continuation. That's the word I was looking for. I knew that was the wrong one. So then is it full of EV batteries, then? That's the other thing that seems uh, to be happening. It is not full of EV batteries, either. It is a Mini Moak. Uh, I believe I saw somewhere, actually, that there was a conversion for a Mini Moak to, to EV batteries. But no, it's the Moak. You can live out your... At least half of your... Patrick McGowan fantasies with the Mini Moke. So that is the version of the Mini that was intended to be airdroppable, to be a, a a sort of disposable runabout on building sites and all these kind of things. You'll be able to buy the tent on wheels. This is a new Mini Moke. Uh, there are only going to be 56 examples. They are going to cost £20,000 plus VAT and a delivery. And it's being listed here in this autocar as a recreational vehicle, which now makes me query whether or not it will actually be road legal. 
it's normally sold in the Caribbean, where it's it's sold to resorts and uh, as as runabouts, uh, and that's why they're selling a limited number o- over here. Nuts. Moke International, by the way, is the name of the company that that's. I think they're fabulous. Hmm. Just just daft. They're daft. It says a new sixty-six brake horsepower, one point one liter four-cylinder engine. Uh, and you can get auto or manual. So I wonder what it is, because it's definitely not A-series, if that's the case. No, I like that. Mm-hmm. It should be It should be hilarious, but best for times like, I don't know what the weather's like with you, but days like today where you really don't need the roof. I don't think no, you'd ever February, want to drive one of these. The school run. Yeah, but that's just, you just take your children. Exactly. Anyway, <laughs> parish notes. Uh, there will be a special edition out on Friday. Yes. Coming up. Uh, I have recorded most of it. I think we've agreed that I've recorded most of it. Uh, it's it's time to tweak slightly, I think. But yeah, that'll be out on Friday morning. I'll have that all done in loads of time. So there'll be a bit of bonus content there. Uh, it's not very long. It's only about 20 minutes. Um, but hopefully it should be of interest. Anything else from you, Andrew? Nope. No. No. There will be a series of special editions over the next few weeks, by the way gathered some more content for those don't forget folks that between now and next week you can give us any feedback and share your thoughts with the show at motoring podcast on twitter and instagram on facebook and on the contact page of motoringpodcast.com the hub of all our activities uh please don't forget about our patreon offer available at motoringpodcast.com support and please leave a review and rating on apple Podcasts or however your podcast app lets you do such a thing andrew what's the best way to get in touch with you Best way to get in touch with me is via Twitter. If you search for Crack Windscreen, you should find me there. And Alan, if people would like to know just how good the Toyota Yaris Grimm is at the Traffic Light Grand Prix, what's the best way for them to find that out personally? Uh, <laughs> just just find one and try it. But if you can't find another one, uh, then do get in touch uh, with me via Twitter, where I'm at AJP Bradley. That's B-R-A-D-L-E-Y. Uh, we'll be back very soon but until then i've been alan bradley i've been andrew clues and safe motoring